five, four, three, three two, two, one. one. That was a terrible clap by me. My hands don't work properly. Shall we do anyway, it again? Uh, yeah, right. Five, okay, five, four, three, three two, two, one. one. Right. Right. I don't. Is this, have you forgotten how to clap? Is this, is this, is this because of the tumor? Possibly, yes. <laughs> um, right. Look, is it? Go- is it is that even going to work? Podcasts. A frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. It's ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slug, Stardate 45, uh, I think. Uh, these are the continued voyages of me, Eddie Edwards, and my colleague, Mr. Mark Bench, as we trek our way through all of Star Trek. Uh, how, how you doing, Mark? Yeah, good, yeah. Um, yeah, great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's happened this week? Um, not a lot. I haven't been looking at the news. Recently, as I told you earlier, uh, I'm uh, I, I've I've now gotten to the as I, you know, so some some people say, Mark, don't worry about it, man. You haven't been bringing up the fact that you've gone gluten free in every conversation. Don't <laughs> don't don't be worried about that, right? But I've gone gluten free recently, and uh, I think it's 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 helping me really get to the the base. Of why I'm just sad and angry all the time, um, which for for years I was just like, well, the world's coming to an end. Everyone's going to be going to war for water. Why bother even trying? Everything's fucked, etc. That's just how I felt all the time, um, and now I don't feel like that all the time until I look at the news. So I haven't been looking at the news. I've mainly been playing Elden Ring, to be honest. Which I believe I may have stated at some point on this podcast I would never do. Because I don't understand the appeal of something being really difficult and frustrating, and the only reward you get from persevering at it is getting better at it. Um, but now that I've gone gluten free, Eddie, uh, I have returned to Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't know Elden Ring um, actually rarely for a computer game, completely uh, free of gluten. Uh, it can't play much. I guess there's tons of gluten in that. Uh, no, there's loads of there's loads of bread. In, uh, there's no bread in it. In fact, I, unlike most fantasy RPGs, as far as I'm aware, there is no bread. Uh, your health is well, replenished what? by drinking from a flask of red liquid. <laughs> A gluten-free red liquid. Yep. <laughs> I don't, what's that? A strawberry milkshake? I don't know. Uh, is there yeah. milk? Is there gluten in milk? No. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's strawberry milkshake. I assume. Uh. <laughs> it is annoying though because it's like I, I genuinely want to go vegan, and I and I have for a, for a long, long time. Uh, I just don't have. I, I just I, look. I know you don't want to hear this, vegans, but my. 
my opinion on animal animal welfare is basically I don't give a shit. Like, I, I think a lot of vegan activism is all about how terrible things are for animals, and I'm like, to me, a cow is just an aging barrel for a cheeseburger. Like, I don't... You, you, you might not like that opinion, but that's my opinion, and, and showing me cows getting slaughtered isn't gonna... I'm not an idiot. I know where cheeseburgers... Delicious, delicious cheeseburgers come from. But you can appeal to me... Um, my sense of not wanting the planet to die and i feel like they should they should um they should kind of lean more on that but the problem is uh the like vegan alternatives generally tend to be made of things that are made of gluten yeah gluten in gluten intolerance and veganism don't have much overlap uh it's not like lactose intolerance where you really get on to a winner uh if you've got that and you want to be vegan Uh, (laughs) yeah exactly yeah (laughs) You've rolled, a, you've rolled a 20 in the form of a four. <laughs> but you've rolled two fours simultaneously, so uh, it was still a win. So how how are you doing? How's your week? How's your face, head? Uh, my, my body is a lot like the UK at the moment, in that the right side of it isn't working properly. Uh, <laughs> right, so... I've no. I've basically uh, like. And the, and the left even, side of it is happy to just sit there and let it let it happen without doing anything. The, the, to its the own left advantage. side is doing nothing for its own advantage. Is letting the right side fail. And I would be appreciating this as a period in which we could be excited about the leadership of the left. But I worry that the left is even still thoroughly ineffective as well. Uh, this, yeah, yeah. this is the thing. Like, even if though my like right hand isn't working properly. Uh, at the moment, uh, I'm still using it instead of using my left hand because I know that my left hand isn't supposed to work properly. <laughs> so yeah, it's been, it's, yeah, it's what I've lost is I seem to have lost, te- hopefully temporarily, uh, fine motor control on my right side, uh, which is really noticeable in like my hand, yeah. but not as noticeable in your leg until you try to do anything with your foot like walking and then suddenly it goes oh <laughs> and are you using the same like motor skills for your foot a lot more than you think you are uh so that's yeah. been fun yeah watching um, watching you try to clap to sound sync this earlier was hilarious <laughs> um and I, I i can i can only hope that any permanent disability is just as joyful <laughs> to the people I, around I, you I, I yeah, watching me watching me try and clap uh, is I probably had the same confused look on my face that my my girlfriend had. Uh, well, uh, I made her watch. Don't hug me. I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> it's up there with like the first couple of weeks when a relative has Alzheimer's, <laughs> like when they just forget yeah. your name and all that. That's funny. It's it's funny. It's it's like any joke. It's funny at first. Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be. It'll get old if it keeps going on. Um, <laughs> But uh, if if it is a permanent disability, then you know at least it should make it easier to get on the last leg. So uh, that's that. Uh, yeah, well, what's uh, the what's the criteria like? Because because obvi- well, first of all, what's Josh Weathercombe got going on? <laughs> uh, he's 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 not disabled. He's just from Devon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you're looking at a spectrum, right? The the last leg is obviously a spectrum of disabilities. Because yeah, you, you yeah. get you get Josh Weathercombe at one end, and you get who's what's the other Matt somebody or what's his name? Yeah, 
I can't remember his name. I don't watch the last. The thing is, Josh Widdicombe does. Anybody who thinks are terrible people, Josh Widdicombe has a career outside of the last leg. Alex, it's Alex something. Alex. Yeah. I'm gonna have to, and then, I'm gonna I, and then I, Adam Hills. Yeah. He's the guy that's only got one leg. Yeah. And then uh, Al, he's he's missing what is it one leg and he sort of has like um I think it's four I can't remember the, the, the name of the condition that he has. Alex Brooker, that's Alex it. Alex Brooker, yeah, that's it. Apologies, Alex Brooker. I know you're a loyal listener. Um but <laughs> uh but he's he obviously has like I, I can't it, it's not thalidomide, that's like quite reductive to say. Um no, it's but, the, but he the has the words sort of this smallest pup. It's what slid my arms. What's the name? <laughs> he has he has like a, a similar con- condition to what the philodermid kids had, but um, yeah. but yeah, so he's like he's like pretty, I'd say fairly substantially disabled. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine he, he gets about and he does he he does what he wants and all that, and he's he's able to do that DIY projects or whatever. Um, but but you are less disabled than both him and Adam Hills. Yeah. Once yeah. once you get past Adam Hills, you're definitely a shoe in for for the last leg. But he's the uh, first hurdle you have to hit. I genuinely this week I went round to my friends to play D D, which involved the cheap journey, and I am a, a, a fairly large, fairly in shape human being f- by appearances. So the internal struggle that I have with whether or not it's acceptable to take the uh, priority seats on the tube is because I know that I should be allowed to get them because I could fall over at any moment. But nobody else on that tube is going to believe me. <laughs> I'm thinking of getting a cane. Just I don't need one, but I want to have one with me so people will believe that I have problems. <laughs> no, what you've got to do, right, is if anyone gives you the side eye when you've taken the priority seat, uh, just hit them with one of these. Just go, yeah, wait till you see this. And then try to clap and fail. <laughs> uh, speaking of failures, uh, this podcast... If you, if you try to snap your fingers, they're going to give you the whole tube, <laughs> the whole carriage. Speaking of failures, um, this tube, uh, this uh, podcast was taken on a trip around the London Marathon uh, yeah. just this week on. And I think we should shout out our mate James, uh, did, uh, listener, did run, run the London Marathon and did lose. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he failed to come first. Um, so, James, just next, if you're gonna keep try, I don't think you cut out for it. Well um, done, James. I'm I'm genuinely quite proud of you. You look incredible, and I'm really looking forward to listening to you and Jacob's uh, NFL podcast just as soon as I finish uh, the audible version of the novelization of Ghostbusters two. <laughs> Would you like to know some facts from the from the novelization of Ghostbusters two? Yes. Uh, so the the Ecto one and the Ecto one A are definitely different cars. The oh okay. Lewis specifically sets that out. Okay. The the line where um, <laughs> that's it. That's the only thing I've really been. I'm like I don't know this already. Uh, the only other thing is that um, Vigo's. Scourge of Moldavia, Wrath of Carpathia, the, the, sorry, the, that one, the, the one that I yeah. can never remember in full, uh, was originally longer, slightly longer. And okay. he would say it every time that he appeared. 
okay. and the characters would start like Janos especially would just start getting sick of it. Which he, you do you do get a little bit in the film where he's like, Oh, command me lord and all that but he but he's just like, Yep, yeah, mountainous skulls, yep, yeah, I've heard that yep, yeah, cast. Yeah, it's a, it's a good joke technically, but you are having to bore the arse off your audience to tell the joke. It's a long walk for the punchline, I feel. I can understand why I got cut. I feel like I feel like yes, but here's how I would do it. I would do it twice, right? I would do it twice in its entirety. The first time Janos is like the sorrow of Moldavia, the sat on a throne of blood, like being really into it. And then the second time he's like, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of nodding along, um, just waiting to get to his point. And then the third time you would have another character, probably Dana, when she's in the museum at the end, and Vigo comes up on the painting. Starts talking to Janos, and that's when Janos is like, "Yep, mountain of skulls. Yep, I've I've heard this Vigo. They're coming. Like, <laughs> yeah, we've got a, they've got the Statue of Liberty. And, uh, oh, also in the novelization, uh, they specifically set out that um, it's uh, that it would be Jackie uh, thingy higher and higher. Jackie Wilson. Oh right, okay. And sorry, I've remembered lots of things. There is extra <laughs> scenes in the novelization that were supposed to be in the film that you see in the montage of them actually investigating the slime. Because oh, right, the, okay. the slime has nothing to do with Vigo. Uh, Vigo is just taking uh, advantage of that situation. Okay. So the, the slime what? is just made by New York. <laughs> it just happens. And, and Spengler at one point says, oh, it happens all the time. I mean, look at Nero... Uh, look at Nazi Germany, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see why they cut that out. Um, <laughs> like, just anywhere there's a lot of hate, this stuff just builds up. So it's so Vigo and this line are completely, are essentially unconnected. That's mental. Yeah. So it could have just been, that's... Oh, so that's like Ghostbusters 3. How it gets... Oh, Ghostbusters gets dragged to hell, the, the version we were supposed to get. That could... That could have... Yeah, like I said, that could have worked. Big slime hand. Drags yeah. the city down. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. But there you go. There you uh, go. And James, I, I'm sure your podcast is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd have to give it a listen at some point, especially because it's probably going to help me set my fantasy team. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but I suppose we should talk about this episode of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a Klingon one. What was, what was the plot, Eddie? Um, some Klingons had been put into hot, like cryostasis, uh, and had been sent off on a mission to blow up some uh, pla- uh, some place. Uh, they were waking up after seventy five years, and they needed to convince them somehow, come up with a plan to convince them that the uh, war's over and we're out of peace, so they didn't destroy a bunch of uh, Federation settlements. Which it seems like it should have been like they spent quite a long time arriving at the plan, which just was to go. Look, we we've got a Klingon. <laughs> that would yeah. be happened if we were still at war. He's in charge. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it. But without uh, that, how would we have gotten to the romantic, not plot? Yeah, the subplot is more the plot that they are sent an emissary who is half human, half Klingon, which is apparently very difficult 
to achieve genetically, um, despite the fact that, that like there's like multiple half human half Klingons throughout Star Trek. Brianna Torres is half and half, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what that is, uh, but I like the character Kayla. Uh, Did you know that's... that she's played by? Su- I forgot to write this. Down. I think Su- Susie, someone or other, uh, who also played Sailor. Uh, the Vulcan doctor in the uh, oh. date has been taken over by an old man episode. And that, yeah, that was that yeah. was yeah. And yeah. She's a good actress. Originally, the uh, Tracy Torme, who leaves at the end of this season and, and was a, a, a great, I guess they weren't really the showrunner, um, but uh, I think they were the head writer at one point. So originally, the the plan was to have. Worf and Sailor be in a relationship and have that be an interesting romantic thing uh, yeah. and uh, Sailor was supposed to come back in this episode or in an episode like this but then the writers went no we're going to put in a Klingon love interest for Worf to which Tracy Torme said but it's so obvious like a Klingon and a Vulcan in a relationship of, of yeah. course, it's so obvious that that would be so much more interesting but no so they just got back the same actress. That you can, there's a lot in this episode that you could. So, for example, there is a point like um, it, they go to the hollow deck, uh, which Diana rep- recommends to Kalar as uh, go. Why don't you go use the fuck box, basically, uh, to unwind? <laughs> and, we have um, Roombas that mop it down after every session. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, her and uh, Wolf uh, fight Skull Guy again. Uh, good returning character, uh, Skullman, <laughs> and then they bang. Yeah, and then uh, Wolf's like, "Okay, so we should get married immediately." I think that you can tell a lot about. Right, all I'm gonna say is Gene Roddenberry thing deciding that the signs that the Klingons are a savage culture is long-term monogamous relationships <laughs> tells you a lot more about uh, Gene Roddenberry than it does about uh, Klingons or the social attitudes that they might have. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I just, oh. There's 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 marks of Roddenberry all over this episode and, and I'm a bit... Uh... The, yeah, no, I 100% agree. And the, 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 the bizarre thing is that we haven't really seen anything like this before. Like, Riker's definitely fucked a Klingon. Yeah. Uh, he probably did it when he was on that ship. There was yeah. one There was one that was giving him the eyes. Uh, yeah. He's, he's probably... I thought for sure that this episode was going to be about him banging Kayla. He is definitely wants to bang Kayla the minute she arrives. Uh, what do you think... Right, I'm going to get in a comfortable position with this. <laughs> okay. What do you think is the agreement between Troy and Riker? Like, because to me, it feels like they have an agreement, but it's like, look, we're on a ship. Obviously, we have very much have feelings for each other. We are, we very much love each other. But this is a, this is a Star Trek uh, that we are on, a next generation of Star Trek, if you will, Diana, um, and so we can. First of all, I'm. I, I, I like. I like to think this is how he explained it to her, and she's just sitting there in silence. 
<laughs> first of all, I'm the first officer, right? So I'm going to have to do quite a lot of um, what's that word like? Sort of well, being an emissary, like like going out there and representing the, the federation. And I'm I'm going to and, and and sometimes sometimes it's planets of just otherworldly beautiful women, Diana. And <laughs> I I'm just a man. Uh, so I feel like if you if uh, don't don't mean I want to be tied down by you in many senses of, of that of that <laughs> phrase but, but and, and and don't get me wrong you are the hottest chick on this bridge most of the time now <laughs> Beverly, you are, Beverly you're, <laughs> but, yes, but here's the thing obviously i want to keep this going and I, and I eventually do want to have children with you one of whom dies spoilers but i <laughs> i feel like i can't be i can't be boxed in diana with this what? with this so, I, if i want to fuck a klingon i have to I, you have to let me i <laughs> So, Love Will Riker envelope <laughs> slipped under the door. And then it slipped under the door. <laughs> right I so when she, the, the first episode, it's addressed that they had had a relationship, and he'd gone, "Oh, I'm Mr. Career Man," uh, and she'd been like, "Oh, okay, so you, you want to put your career uh, ahead of our relationship?" And now they both end up stationed on the flagship of the Enterprise, which proves that he could have stayed with her and had a career uh quite easily uh but <laughs> they both ended up on the same ship and he's like uh look at some point in the future i'd like to do a relationship with you but let's just put a pin in that now and i'll pretend it's because of my career but <laughs> actually it's because i want to bang more space women uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and, he's, and, and, he, and then she has a look at her face and 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 Riker's like i mean come on have you ever seen women from ireland <laughs> I think the more interesting question this episode presents is we were told in season one that Worf doesn't like having sex with Klingon women uh, with human women because they're too fragile mm. uh, he didn't he didn't say he'd blow a load like a shotgun through this to the back but it's implied now we were also then told that Kalar's dad is Klingon and her mother is human so that what does she have like a cast iron vagina? No, uh, I think he's just he's just really into feet. Because <laughs> as 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 a feet lover, you can be quite gentle. That's what I mean. You don't want to you don't want to break them. Uh, so I reckon I reckon that he brings himself to almost completion between the soles of her gorgeous little feet, and then <laughs> when he feels the vinegar strokes coming on, he sort of calls out. She stops reading her book, and then she manoeuvres herself <laughs> down to like sit on his cock, just as it. Because that's that's the thing about Klingons, right? Is Klingon ejaculation stronger? Well, I mean, we don't even know. You wouldn't the, think so, would like, you? We don't even know the construction of the the alien penis in question. Good love, like yeah. tendrils, and yeah, because I guess like. Like you, your your ability to shoot cum isn't really. It, it's never really. I mean, it's never really used as like a measurement of manhood, is it? Like dick size, yeah, one hundred percent, right? Your your dick size shouldn't be, but can be used as a measure of how manly you are. I mean, look at Willem Dafoe, right? But famously, the biggest dick in Hollywood. Famously, they literally have to bring in a body double for uh, nude scenes for Willem Dafoe. Because producers think people wouldn't believe that it was him. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's so big it looks fake. 
<laughs> but um, it's a lot of me- a lot of Willem Dafoe's movies actually get second billing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, like you never like oh man I I go off like a shotgun like I'd never hear that and be impressed. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe at some point in Klingon like evolutionary history, though, it was like a defense mechanism. <laughs> like, like you'd get like woken up for, like in the night by like an attack on your camp, you'd roll over, bang, off the, <laughs> take him down like you've just blasted the super shotgun on a cacodemon in a corridor, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. I've got a question for for you. Go on, Mark. If you were to be put in a class nine probe, because it, it, it would make everything a little quicker, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to, have to spend nine hours compressed in this little probe, no room to move. You're just going to lay down and get fired into space and hope that the Enterprise picks you up, so you can tell that the Enterprise that give them the message and tell them of your brilliant plan to blow up the Klingon ship before they wake up. All right. Um, which is a terrible. Why did she need anyway? How, on a scale of one to ten, how, how, how skin tight would you want your clothing to be for a mission like that? I I'd personally wear some. I'd wear pajamas, something a bit comfortable. Yeah, uh, but um, I'm I'm currently wearing uh, a shoodie, <laughs> which is just a hoodie with um with uh, like fleece on it, and it's and it's oversized. Like the 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 idea, um, I think, is it's to emulate that feeling that women have when they wear the larger boyfriend's hoodie, which oh, is right. something. Look, as a man, obviously, there's already quite a lot going against me in daily life. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, there's quite a lot of things yeah. I lose out on just again as a man. Um, and one of the things I've always wondered about is how does it feel to wear the to wear the clothes of a much larger human who could crush you at a moment's notice um, <laughs> what does that feel like yeah. women are so privileged to get that to be to essentially have that on tap yeah i mean i I'd, I'd take it over wearing headphones any day of the week uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, oh. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd want to be. I mean, first of all, I'd be like, can we? Well, first of all, can I wear pajamas? And then be like, uh, but we need to make the missile pretty, like a little bit bigger. I'm like, could you do it? Because like, like I, I know, I know that this is your job, and I know that you're fitting me in. But at the same time, I am <laughs> the emissary. I am the, I am the title of the episode, right? So could you make it just comfortable enough for me to wear pajamas? And then, and then I'd, they'd be like, we've done that. And I'd be like, uh, I mean, if I've got pyjamas on, I might as well be able to move about. Can you just make it big enough for me to move about? And, um, I can't believe that a Class 9 probe is faster than, say, a shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, can you do me a favour? Do, do you know that probe? Can you just tie that to a shuttle? And I'll just hold on. Don't don't let me leave yet because I need to log into my Audible account while I've got Wi-Fi uh, to, to, <laughs> to download the novelization of Men in Black too. <laughs> what are we looking at? Three and a half hours. Oh. <sighs> better, get three, better get three as well then. 
Who reads that? Oh, Phil Lamar. They <laughs> <laughs> paid good money for that. He's a good actor. Uh, Who does this, the second this... one? Maurice Lamarche. Oh, what a trip this is going to be. <laughs> On one occasion, uh, while travelling back from a festival, uh, we had my mate's car and it only had a tape player. Uh, and a radio so we only had the tape it was his, his mum's car that he was borrowing uh, and it only had the uh, tape that like we were in the car which was like a I think it was now uh, from 1993 okay <laughs> so it did have Mysterious Girl so that was a win yeah, right one, okay which one. led to a great music knowledge game of without looking at the label can you guess what tracks will be on this album uh, <laughs> But so we listened all the way down. On the way back, we were listening to the audio book of Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now <laughs> it's so perfect. Now, I just want to say this, right? I'm not going to say that the book of Jurassic Park is racist. But I will say that the reading of the book Jurassic Park that we had was racist because the person doing the reading had made the the incredible choice that where possible, he should try to match the accents of the dialogue that was being used. So... Uh, a, a lot, a lot of uh, the plot of Jurassic Park. I don't know if you're aware of this. Mark takes place in in, in South America. Uh, now, I would argue that if I was going to provide the voice of a Mexican paleontologist, that wouldn't be the same voice that I would use as to who for a Mexican day labourer. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine their command of English is such that they probably don't sound like an extra from a Speedy Gonzalez cartoon. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but yeah, if you can, if you can seek out that Jurassic Park on a, on, it's, it's well worth a listen. One hundred percent. I'll be I'll be listening to that on the next road trip that Laura and I go on, uh, because unfortunately the ma- magic, you know the like magic radio, they oh, yeah. they used to have a channel uh, that was just mu- uh, musicals. And they oh, binned brilliant. it because Laura and I were the only ones that were listening to it. But um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get that on the go. Uh, oh, you, you mentioned something there that, that clicked. What was it I was going to talk about? Fuck. Um, can we talk it. about this uh, do it, This TV? Uh, this episode has one of my favourite things from the like 80s, 90s TV era. Uh, and it's... Um, Two characters yep. have a moment that is clearly going to lead to them fucking. They look at each other, they lock eyes, then we fade to black, the adverts happen, and they fuck while the adverts are going on, and then we come back in to somebody putting on a boot. Right, Classic. That is one of my favourite manoeuvres in yeah. 90s TV. When you go, we're going to have an ad break now, and this is when our characters are going to fuck, because we can't <laughs> show any of that. But we'll imply it heavily. <laughs> what would what would you put on 
Like, to show that you've just had advert sex, what would be the thing that you'd put on? Uh, I'm, 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 uh, see, I think putting on the shoe is too, you've, you've gone too far ahead. But yeah. uh, I, I would say sliding your jeans back on. Just, just it comes back as a buckling up a belt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I, I was thinking maybe, maybe putting on a watch. <laughs> or, a, or, a, or just, or just specs on. <laughs> do you take your watch off for sex Quite uh, no because I, I I just got a new watch and I'm really excited about this watch it's a, it's a Casio right so it's it's like the step up from your standard comedians watch. if you know any stand up comedians they, they all have the same watch it's it's a weird bizarre phenomenon that happens they all have this one particular Casio so this one's a bit better it has like world time like I can find out uh, in America Oh, nope. Uh, in New York City, it's uh, 10 to 2. Okay. Would you like That's to know nice. what time it is in Chicago? <laughs> yes. 10 to 1. <laughs> Would you like to know what time it is for... in Los Angeles? <laughs> is it is it is it 10 to 12? It's 10 to 11. It's a little bit further <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Um... So I got this watch, but it's it's from the eighties and it's a digital one. So I wear I wear it all the time because it makes me feel like a fancy traveling Japanese businessman. <laughs> if you see, this is the thing in the world of Star Trek, you can't put the watch on as like because you keep the watch on during sex because otherwise you're going to miss out on those steps. Yeah. Um, so you want to keep that on to hit your base, especially on board the Enterprise. I imagine people are very worried about hitting their steps. There's no outdoors. So. <laughs> yeah, and the holodeck's just currently being cleaned, <laughs> so you can't go to your ski resort. Yeah, you just gotta go around to like deck fourteen, like over and over again. Well, you just doing circuits, you weirdo. <laughs> what if um, what if the last thing you put on in Star Trek is your com badge, and that and that's when you find out that your com badge has accidentally been broadcasting this to the entire. Not to the bridge, because they would let you know, but to, to the lower deck section. Because what are they going to do? Do you know what I mean? Do you think, do you think some fucking lower decker is going to come in and be like, uh, uh, Lieutenant Worf, uh, <laughs> we can hear you. <laughs> no! I See, the thing, the idea of the clipping on the com badge, if, in the frozen pressure, I'm not going to take my com badge off separately from my top. <laughs> Hold on. Just I'll leave that stuff over here. <laughs> So that important. doesn't accidentally get butted, so we uh, broadcast that. Yeah. <laughs> like you begin bagging, you hear the rest of the ship, here's the whistle. Woo-hoo. Do you know what would be quite useful, right? And and uh, So say you've just banged in the fuck box uh, all the holiday. <laughs> That's right? there by metal band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're wandering around and you're like, oh man, the advert's over and I can't find my boot. We're on the last advert. It's an advert for a TV show that's on the channel that we are currently watching. So we are at DEFCON 3. I can't find my other boot. Well, the <laughs> easiest thing you can do there, because you have the benefit of a holodeck, is that you say, holodeck, off. And then presumably the boot will just fall to the ground from whatever it was. <laughs> then holodeck back on. Yeah. I've, I've, yeah. This isn't my first rodeo. <laughs> or if you're really worried, you just holodeck up a boot. Because uh, you're only you're only gonna be on screen for a few a few what, a few minutes, and then you get back That's to the bridge. Had to say, then you can go back to like looking for your shoe. Yeah, uh, you get to the bridge and you're sort of you you're sort of limping because you're sort of shorter on one side because one boot's just made out of light. 
Card's like, yeah. oh, for you, all right. And then, and then you're like, and you're looking around suspiciously because they've been looking at the logs, right? They know that you and Kayla were in there. They, they, and they, and they think that she's injured you during sex, when in reality you've just lost a boot. Yeah. Well, like but, you say, but what pretty... would you do? You wouldn't, you wouldn't correct anyone because you'd be like, <laughs> yeah, we fucked so hard that I got hurt. <laughs> if I was. See, because this is the thing, because I was going to say, like, there's always a chance that somebody's been watching, because we, we know that they have access to records. But but knowing that Wolf's gone in the holodeck with Kayla, I would say would be a lower priority than, like, for example, knowing that Jean-Luc Picard wasn't on a fucking ship anymore. And that took him, like, a fucking half an episode to fucking realise last time that happened. So, fuck knows. Yeah. Oh, okay, I have a really big a question that I can't work out. Right. Worf, at the end of this episode, is dressed as a, a Klingon captain. Yeah. And pretending to be captain of the Enterprise and telling the Klingons on the Tong to stand down. And he gets up and he walks towards the screen. What's that do? Because I assume, like we always get on the Enterprise, we get like a, like a zoomed in. You see very much what you see over Zoom where we're recording this. Yeah. In that you get like a, a part. I assume that's the same way going back, which means Wolf walks past the camera. <laughs> uh, so the way that I have always taken it is that the holodeck itself is the camera. Uh, oh, the that, view screen that, is the camera. Yeah, that's technology that I think really needs to be developed. If if nothing else, then for one very inconvenient thing, which is that when you are speaking on online, you generally aren't making eye contact. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's and, and that's really difficult. And they've they've created workarounds. Uh, I like I work on the internet and I have a workaround for it in just the way that I've set up my screens so that if you looked at it, it would for all intents and purposes look like I'm making eye contact to you. Like it looks like this. Yeah. I'm actually not looking at you. I'm looking at something slightly above the camera. Uh, ah. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I think it's that, and I think that it, the hot the the view screen knows when things need to be dramatic. So <laughs> get an extreme close up on this Ferengi. Uh, but what would Cause... what would essentially happen is that Worf, like the focal length would change, like the perspective would change, but he would. They're so not just get... getting. Yeah, and and I I think that I think that the, the the screen does know what to focus on, or alternatively, among Klingons, maybe it's just, it's considered more intimidating if they can just see your forehead ridges, yeah. like so he's putting that right in front of the camera, <laughs> like oh he means business. That's it. That's <laughs> that's the way that, that that's how they measure how serious you are in Klingon society. Is one your forehead ridges into how many Kleenex can you cleanly shoot through. <laughs> From from just a from just a standard wank sesh. Like we're t- we're talking like a porno that you've seen two or three times before. Nothing special, no candles or anything. Like it has to be complete control conditions. How many sheets are you going through? Uh, you see, you Not to wipe. Are... It has to be in the initial. Has to be in first first contact. They call it. It's it's a sheet of it's actually it's a sheet of aluminium and they just measure how deep the dent goes. <laughs> <laughs> just before uh, you finish, Worf says set phaser banks to stun. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> 
I I love um I love in this episode that Deanna Troy has one of her great oh I can sense that you're upset because you like moments and it's because Kayla's just smashed a table. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can clearly hear from the corridor. Yeah. You alright in here? <laughs> <laughs> I heard something psychically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So 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 these Klingons. They don't. They don't know that that um, Kronos and Earth have have made peace. Yeah. That's so. Must be a lot. There must be a lot of them out there, eh? There's. That's an idea for an episode that I think would be more interesting than. This would be like a shuttle crash on a planet with some stranded, like a group of like ten or like like less than ten, maybe like four, four, four or five stranded Klingons who've been there since the war. Do you know what so I? You, go on. You have to get Gowron from the Klingon High Council to like come in and tell everyone the war's over. So, um. People may have heard that in the aftermath of World War II, uh, they discovered that there were some Japanese soldiers so deeply entrenched in the... It was, it was obviously it was in the Pacific Theatre, right? But I can't remember if it was jungles or on islands or whatever. I think it was one yeah. particular jungle. Uh, that there was some that just didn't know the war was over. And uh, they, they just kept going about their drills. Uh, that's one of these things that you think, well, the the real story probably is a little bit different. And you're right, the real story is even crazier. Because they kept that up until, I believe, the early 60s. And yeah. the Japanese government had to... First of all, they, like, dropped leaflets over the jungle, just layering this jungle in leaflets, because these guys were so well-hidden that they didn't know where to deliver their mail to. So it was just leaflets saying, like, oh, the war's over, like, come home. But these guys were obviously like, mm, this smells oh, like well, a trap, propaganda. so we're yeah. leave that. Um, and I I think eventually they had to send down, like, the emperor uh, yeah. or, the, or the prime minister, uh, and and even then they weren't convinced. They had to... I, I, it's been years since I've heard this story, but I believe that they eventually just had to dig up... Not not literally. But they had to, they had to dig up, like, their old field commander like the one guy that they'd be like mm, yeah he's he's definitely telling the truth like there's there's no way that he would make that up that that's can you imagine though like if you're in that scenario because the, the like for, the japanese did have a code like a very specific code of honor where they would never surrender they would fight until the last man so you're in the woods and you're in the jungle and you go what you're getting to people trying to convince you the war's over and you're just like that's ridiculous there's literally nothing could have possibly happened that could have made the Japanese people lose their zeal for war and then you find out that the war is over imagine that being like oh so the war is over yeah oh so I can fucking go home and uh, see my family Oh yeah, yeah. Where where, where'd you live by the way? Oh, uh, number one Hiroshima way (laughs) (laughs) that was because it's, it's it's one thing that they were there for seventy odd years and they found out the war's over, but then also to like then have to like 
to be the guy like who's the commanding officer who has to say to him, "Yeah, the war's over. We lost," and then have the other side go, "That's ridiculous. What could the Americans possibly have done?" And then have to explain what the Americans did and just go, "Gee, what? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah." And then, and then and then also for them to be like, "Oh man, so I take it we hate the Americans because of it," and they're like, mm, "Actually." Selling stuff to America is now the cornerstone of our entire economy, and uh, and also and also, have you seen this? Have you seen this TV show where this um, where this talking dog fights ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> and then having to go, but what? Like talking around to, you know, but why? So we, we we're friends with the Americans. How do our our noble allies, the Germans, feel about this? Here's the thing. There might have been a a horrible war crime was committed against us. But just so you know, broadly speaking, we've accepted that uh, America and the Western allies were in the right about the whole war thing. And we were in the wrong. That's ludicrous. And then I have to go, look, here's the list of the uh, atrocities that the Germans committed that we're all aware of. And the ones that we as a country are refusing to take responsibility for. Uh, <laughs> I I remember talking to my friend years ago. He was date well he's he was someone who was dating a friend of mine, and he was from Japan, uh, but he but he'd grow he'd grown up in Scotland, but he'd spent the first couple of years there in Japan, uh, and I think his his older brother had been there like a little bit longer, obviously than he has. And I remember saying that to him. I was like, "How is the war taught in Japan?" He says it's fucking bizarre. He's like, because it basically, it's like, so anyway, uh, 1939, there was a bit of a conflict, uh, and then nothing really happened, and then in 1945, the Americans bombed us for no reason, and uh, <laughs> now we're real sad about it. It's <laughs> like, what, are you serious? He's like, yeah, pretty much, man. Yeah, they don't, Yeah, like, they, like they'll, they'll very much... Um, it's why there's a Nazi in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll super fucking, like, uh, like both sideism. What history? And I mean, don't get me wrong. We do that. Like, obviously, this yeah. this isn't an attack on. Uh, it, it, very good for a British person to be attacking how other countries teach uh, I, imperialism. I, it, it, I'm very specifically. Yeah, I want to be clear. I'm very specifically talking about the example of World War Two, yeah. which is possibly the only time in history the Britain was in the right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's a real good news, bad news situation, isn't it, for the first person to find, like, like radio back in, so like, somebody, some soldier radio back in on DJ. I did, like, as the allies expand across Europe, just going, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Do you want the good news or the bad news? Well, what's the good news? We are definitely the good guys in this war. <laughs> Okay. What's the, what's the, what's the bad news? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. You know, yeah, you know but, that you know that phrase that you, that you coined a while ago that that you like to use in a very neutral term about a camp where you concentrate things. Yeah, that's uh, that phrase is going to take on quite new meaning uh, <laughs> after this. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Like that tiny, like that little mustache. Uh, it's going to be out for a few generations. <laughs> so, okay, you jump seventy years in the future from the middle of a war, right? And you've been cryo frozen. Th- these Klingons haven't just gone through that that jump and are being told that like pieces are happening, the war is over, all of that. These Klingons have also you got to remember they agreed to go be put in cryo sleep for seventy years because you got got to 
bring this point up because Klingons just love war so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then they've got to the future. It's seventy years past, and like no there's no war. Yeah, it's like imagine if you were like in cryosleep for seventy years, and when you woke up, they were like, "Oh, great! Welcome to the future. It's great here." And you go, "Oh, brilliant! Yeah." So um, here's a list of the uh, we we banned all mind altering substances up to caffeine. What? <laughs> Can you put me back in, please? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like imagine waking up in the demolition man future. Oh, yeah. Good rubbish. Do it. Do it get to be. I mean, I mean, it'd be great. Like people are doing well, <laughs> but you know, it's better than waking. What? What's the worst science fiction future to wake up in, excluding Planet of the Apes? Uh, Ooh, um, uh, 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 I guess uh, Alderaan, the day after the Death Valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alderaan. Well, that's the past, uh, isn't it? That's the past, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Like, I, 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 J- Jason X? Oh, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we've just got you and this other guy frozen. Because uh, <laughs> uh, like, Judge Dredd, I guess, would be pretty awful. But it's a bit like The Handmaid's Tale. Like, Judge, like, n- nothing happens in Judge Dredd that hasn't happened in real life. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's just like, futurized. Yeah. Like, if you're in the, like, bottom part of, like, uh, one of the tower blocks, yeah, you have to deal with some shit. Because uh, there's probably a gang. But equally, don't. In my normal day to day life, there are, like, gangs exist. I'll just. Don't yeah. interact with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, keep myself to myself. Um, My only, only I have straight very forward business dealings with gang members. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I genu- I genuinely don't know. I can't. I, I actually can't think of any sci-fi dystopias. I, I guess. Oh, I guess. Like. Guess. Like. You're fucking. Like. You're Logan's Run or whatever. I mean, if it was Logan's Run, we'd be fucked. We'd be dead. Yeah, Blade Runner's okay to wait. Like, because I'd leave. I'd get off Earth. Yeah, all carbon. You get to be immortal, uh, but it's a capitalist hellscape. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, Mad Max probably the worst. No, because you could enjoy. You'd have a lot of fun. No, I wouldn't like (laughs) to be in Mad Max. There's not a lot of internet going on. (laughs) Yeah, but they're okay. Right, but okay. We know for a fact that in the Mad Max universe, you can, should you so choose, cover an entire vehicle. With massive speakers and shoot for right through the desert while you're playing an electric guitar that shoots fire out of it. And I'm going to be honest with you, that's kind of what I want to do. Uh, I mean, it's not I feel like... like there's places on earth you could do that now, <laughs> like in Grimsby. <laughs> Who's going to stop you? Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, as we learned from the the Killdozer incident a few years ago, if you're willing to build an unstoppable monster machine, there's very little anybody can do about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anything else to say about this episode? Um, Oh, I've got one small thing. Go on. Uh, Data doesn't know poker terminology. So at the beginning of uh, of the episode, he says he folds. But he doesn't say folds, he says bends, yep. which is yet another piece of evidence in my theory that Data is the ship's bending unit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also, can Brent's, like, there wasn't any, I, could, I can't 
Brent Spiller can really shuffle cards. Yeah, it looks. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, it's, yeah. I that's, guess that, that's, that's just one of these things you teach yourself. Because the thing about actors, especially jobbing actors, uh, they have a lot of time on their hands. Yeah. So that's why you tend to see, like, if you watch daytime TV uh, game shows, especially in America, like The Price is Right and things like that, uh, a lot of the people on there are actors and comedians because they tape on, like, a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> they just they don't have anything else to do. So like Aaron Paul you can find. Uh, I someone else. See, I genuinely like think it's it's also that you get to learn these skill sets. There must have been like a uh, there might have been a role that like needed card shuffling because there's a there's a uh, there's an interview with like I think it's or Orlando Bloom where he's like oh I know like three separate styles of sword fighting yeah. that are like thousands of years apart. I can ride it. I know how to steer and ride a chariot. And he's like listing off all these whiskers. He goes, I would have been the... And he's like, if I'd been around 500 years ago, I'd be the man. Uh, but it's not <laughs> not useful. Like the guy who does... I know in the guy um, who plays Shadow in American Gods. Yeah. He learned how to do the actual coin magic. Yeah. So, so that's an actual skill that that guy has, which I respect the hell out of. Because this is the sort of thing I'd want to learn. Like, Because it's like, it's all well and good to be like, oh, I've got a Marvel movie coming up. I've got to get it in amazing shape. But I'd much rather have... But I've also got to learn how to throw cards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I'd like to... I don't know, Blade does a pretty cool thing in Blade 2 uh, where he has a wooden stake and he, and he sort of twirls it and his fingers really quickly so yeah. that it, it Ron Perlman can't see where it's going and he just slaps him. So <laughs> I'd, I'd like to learn... I'd like to learn something uh, so impressive that Ron Perlman lets me slap him. <laughs> so that's uh, in. So just famously, then that's that's the uh, blade uh, spinning a stake trick. Or the other thing we know for a fact definitely impresses Ron Perlman is making a shot of a basketball over the back of your head from across the room. Oh, uh, you're gonna have to explain that reference. Uh, so if you watch Alien Resurrection. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, if you have watched it, I'm sorry that that happened to you, uh, because it's not a good film. But there is a scene where Sigourney Weaver, as uh, character uh, Ripley, throws a basketball over her head, and it goes twish through the uh, through the net, and it's amazing. And it almost immediately cuts. And the reason it immediately cuts is that was the first take. There was no special effects set up. Sigourney Weaver just nailed that shot. And the reason I have to cut is because Ron Perlman completely breaks character. Yeah. <laughs> I I actually have heard different. I've heard that it's like the like the fortieth take. Oh, I I heard it was the first. But mm. he, oh, yeah. no. let's not let's, let's not look yeah. this up. Yeah, let's not for once. If you know the answer, tell Don't us tell in us. the comments, and that that helps engagement. Yeah, and also leave a review. Uh, give yeah. us five stars somewhere. That, if that's you've nice. been annoyed at literally anything that we've said, please tell us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you if know what? Gotten... T- if tell, us Va- eight, tell us eight times. And if like... we've got vast swathes of Star Trek lore wrong, yeah. uh, inform us of that and we'll not turn on board. But I we'll am going to you've offered it. switch, in my opinion, of whether shuttles have warp or not. Just, oh, right. I'm just going to flip flop on it every other episode. They um, must have. They must have. They they're functionally useless items if they don't. Yeah. 
and, I, and, I'm, and I'm hoping that every time I get it wrong, someone will correct me. Because <laughs> that's what engagement is. Like, I think in like certain, I think it's in Voyager, they're called the runabouts. Yeah. They send out, and that I, it, that I believe they might not have warp. Because right. I believe the term runabout implies something different. But, but yeah, I, they, space is really big. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, well, yeah. thanks for... Bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>